As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me for the first time in a while, Eric Green. What's up, man? Uh, you know, big week coming up, Blake. Sure is. Big week. Why we get paid the moderate bucks? Yeah, low to moderate bucks. This is, uh, this is it. This, this is, uh, this is when we get the, uh, the eyeballs. It's, it's the real stressometer. We hope. Anyway, uh, uh, if anyone is listening to this, uh, you know, and is not a subscriber to The Athletic yet, obviously, uh, there has been something keeping you from doing that well wouldn't this be a week to uh do a trial and see if it's worth uh the pittance that uh that you have to pay for the athletic content in seriousness um obviously these podcasts are free and most of our written stuff is behind the paywall um there has been a little bit of stuff not behind the paywall of late to maybe try to hook you in ahead of the chaotic transaction whirlwind uh if you are unaware of what is coming this next little bit. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, About the time we hit stop on this record, teams will be allowed to trade. On Wednesday is the NBA draft. On Thursday, most decisions on options, player and team options, uh, are due. As well as... Stanley Johnson, baby! Yeah, as well as qualifying offers for restricted free agents. Free agency negotiations, quote-unquote, can technically start Friday and signings can be made Sunday. Uh, You all know how that goes. We're going to know who's going everywhere by Friday. Um, Guarantee dates for contracts are are about November 29th. Camp starts uh, expected to start around December 1st. The season will start on December 22nd. Uh, That is a lot going on. Trades, drafts, free agency, roster shakeups, all compressed into about two weeks Eric, where do we even begin, man? Uh, also, the Raptors will play somewhere. Yeah, we don't... Uh... <laughs> There's no news there. Uh, just to get it out of the way, I'm skeptical it will be in Toronto to begin the season, despite uh, Masai Ujiri campaigning for it and uh, you know, on, on the CBC a little bit and in the Toronto Star. I just think it's going to be a, a tough thing to do both politically and uh, in terms of maximizing public health uh, while the numbers are as high as they are south and north of the border. 
right now. Uh, I don't see it happening. That's not to say it couldn't happen. I think they would take all of the precautions they could. And I just think it's a, it's a tough thing to say yes to now if you're uh, the federal government. Yeah, and That's some re- reports coming out here in Toronto um, this morning that, you know, this second wave, obviously bigger than the first numbers wise, but we're we're getting close to hitting um, hospital max occupancy and critical care beds and stuff like that. So um, optically, like even if the I do think the Raptors can make a good case of like, look, we, we did this bubble effectively. We're a well-run organization. It worked fine enough for the NHL. And, and here's our plan. And here's why we think this could work. Um, and here's, you know, the money we're putting behind it and the what will contribute to the social side. But optically, it would just be really tough, especially since like here in Ontario, a huge part of the issue, I think, has been the mixed messaging of like, hey, all these things are open. Just please don't go to them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's what we're calling it. Mixed messaging. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> let it, allowing the, the Raptors to do this stuff and, and making things seem like they're back to normal uh, is tough. Now, at the same time, I do think on top of the like, um, you know, medical safety case the Raptors have to make. There's a good like, <laughs> like. These guys just spent a couple months away from their families, have been home for like a month and a half, and will be, if they're not playing in Toronto, will ostensibly be away from or with limited access to their families again for the foreseeable future. And I think that has a real cost. I think there's a a mental health risk and and potential cost to being away from, you know, your your presumed home for a long time. And I think that there is, you know, if you want to make this uh, less like morals and optics space, there's a competitive disadvantage to not having your usual facility and not having access to um, your usual player development system and your full staff and your 905 team and, and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, obviously at this time, public health is going to win out for the feds. Uh, if it were up to the provincial government, the Raptors would be playing here. Uh, and and, and prob- we'd be probably, with, probably with 90,000 people in the arena. I don't know. Um, At least time. Yeah. So anyway, we don't know as of yet. You know, if you following the letter of the law to me, uh, the tomorrow is the drop dead date, because if they were going to do camp in Toronto beginning December 1st, which is the rumored start to camps, everyone would need to be here by tomorrow to quarantine for 14 days before they start. So... Uh, I would expect a decision in some direction fairly soon. It's also possible, especially with the rumors that the league may do the schedule in two halves, that the Raptors get told, hey, play somewhere else for the first bit of the season and we'll reevaluate it as the year goes on. Uh, Obviously, that's not ideal for anyone with the uncertainty that that provides. And, you know, if you're a... Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry or, or Marcus Hall or whoever, you know, do you bring your kids and, you, and your family to that kind of satellite area? If it's only going to be two, three months, do you, um, you know, there's a lot of real life questions that flow. From yeah, that. these people have lives. Yeah. And um, obviously, like as as people are, I know quick people are quick to be like, well, they get paid millions of dollars for this. And it's, you know, it's it's true. They do get paid really well and they're able to help set their families up by doing these things, but that doesn't make it any less difficult for someone to, I mean, I don't have kids, but I'd imagine it's very difficult to be away from your kids as a regular part of your job. And then you extend that out to months at a time. And you, you talk about the mental health toll and the toll on your kids and your partner and, and whatever else, uh, those are real factors to consider and weigh here. Um, uh, but again, optically 
it will be weird if the Raptors are playing in Toronto. Um, Eric, do you think we'd be allowed to go if the Raptors are in Toronto? Probably not, right? Like, we're probably still doing Zoom. I mean, the questions about access in general across the league are still up in the air. So I have I have no idea. I, I am guessing whatever happens across the league, uh, Toronto would probably be one of the more restrictive locations uh, because it's based on local government and in general the states uh, has been more laissez-faire that's not a great term to use but i'll, I'll use it than canada let's say um, loosey-goosey instead yeah yeah um but it, it's possible like uh, and we just be kept at a distance and away from the players but for all questions about access and if we're going to be traveling with the team and if we one of us is going to set up in tampa bay if they play in tampa bay we don't know the answers. Uh, we don't even know how the league is going to let anybody cover any teams, let alone uh, us covering the team in the most exceptional circumstances. Uh, that's not a complaint. That's just the reality of what's going on. And uh, I, it does add to the stress for us. Yeah. So send, you, send your checks to Eric Corrine, As- care of... As I told, my my mom is very curious if I'm going to be home for Christmas or not. Uh, and as I told her, I don't no. actually, I, I'm not I'm not super invested one way or the other in what the answer is to all of these questions. Because obviously I'm not a, a public health expert and I'm not um, the Raptors organization or the NBA. Like, I'm not, I found the Zoom process to be fine enough. I am cool covering here. I'd be cool covering Tampa Bay, whatever. Uh, I would just like to know either way. And I would like to know things like, uh, you know, am, are the Raptors playing on Christmas Day? Are they playing on Christmas Day in Toronto? Are they, you know, obviously this isn't just about me, but the level of uncertainty around our work lives, which once the season gets going in compressed format is going to be a big part of our lives in general, uh, is, uh, you know, a little stressful. Yeah, but I and mean, that's before wondering if one of us is going to get traded this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> um... Well, I have a 15% trade kicker. Um, that seems like a good segue to get into uh, into the matters at hand. Yes, it does. Uh, so a couple quick notes off the top. Uh, I mentioned the new schedule for what the offseason looks like. A couple other just quick notes before we get into the Raptors' decisions. Uh, I read through that 60-page... I got my hands on that 60-page um, like CBA addendum argument. Uh, document, not argument. Uh over the weekend, and I was able to read through it. So here are some of the key points. Um, two-way players are now basically 16th and 17th men. Uh, they can be active for up to 50 games, um, which, if you're talking about guys at the end of the roster, like, I don't know that Paul Watson or Shea Brissett would have been active 50 times last year, even with the injuries and stuff. Um, there are other rules in place to keep teams from like only having 13 or 14 guys and then using two ways to fill those spots. But from a development standpoint, a depth standpoint, far fewer restrictions on those guys and more income for those guys. So that's nice. Um, There remains some G league uncertainty. Uh, We don't know yet if it's going to be bubbled, if it's going to be like a G league showcase extended in Vegas. We don't know, you know, it certainly doesn't sound like, like even if the Raptors get their wish and can play in Toronto, I can't imagine they're also going to approve Raptors 905 playing in Mississauga and G League teams coming in and out. Um, so some uncertainty there. There is language in that new CBA. Hold on, hold on, Blake. I have an idea. Uh, whole season 
in Mississauga. Everybody's just staying in Mississauga. Yeah. It's like it's like the G League bubble in y- Mississauga. Yeah, I mean, they did they hosted the G League showcase twice. So, yeah. Not the end of the world. Let's I guess it. the issue would be that depending on the market, uh if you call up any player, they would have to then quarantine, which is a, a weird thing to consider anyway because like there are still things like 10-day contracts and two-way roster spots, so um, a lot to be figured out there. There is confidence. I'm just that- trying to give you a. Dr- I'm just trying to give you a dream scenario. Yeah, I know. Um, but in seriousness, there is a lot of uncertainty about this. We we spoke with Jama Malalela last week about it, um, and you know, there's not clarity, but the Raptors remain confident that whatever the scenario, you know, their player development system is strong enough to to make the most of it. Um, there is language in the new CBA document for things like, hey, um, those Exhibit 10 contracts that uh, guys, you know, uh, so an Exhibit 10 contract for anyone who doesn't remember is when a guy gets signed for a training camp roster and then if they don't make the team and they get waived, if they spend X amount of time in the G League, they get a 50K bonus to supplement that G League salary. Uh, well, there's language in the CBA around like, them not getting that if the G League season is canceled and stuff. So um, tough time if you're one of these fringe guys or, or someone who might be in the G League. And Jamma talked a little bit about how that might shift the way they build those rosters and stuff. But um, the league has too much invested with this G League Ignite program that Amir Johnson mm-hmm. is now a part of, uh, which is very cool to uh, punt on the G League season entirely. Uh, a couple more quick notes. The cap is flat from last year, which is what we expected as we ran through our offseason uh, analysis so nothing changes there um the one interesting wrinkle is that there is a three percent minimum increase in the salary cap year over year um that is small relative to what the cap has was projected to increase before and it is small relative to things like pascal siakam having an eight percent annual raise in his deal um so you know his contract is going to outstrip the cap so he's 28 percent this year and that'll increase next year and so on uh but if you're looking at 2021 flexibility when we ran through Giannis scenarios uh, we had been assuming a flat cap for another year as well so a little bit of extra breathing room there and then with regards to Giannis, he has to make a decision on a supermax deal by december 21st um that is the same date that og ananobi and the raptors would have to come to an extension by uh so while the raptors won't necessarily have Giannis clarity um, before the offseason, they will have some Giannis clarity entering the season, uh, whether he's a pending free agent or whether he's locked up in Milwaukee. So, And ha- it, that that could absolutely affect what they decide to do with OG and Anobi, which we've discussed that way. Yes, and uh, it could decide could determine what they decide to do if a Victor Oladipo or Bradley Beal or someone like that becomes available on the trade market. So um, this is the thing with the NBA is... I mean, on the one hand, you always want flexibility and you value that, but everything changes so quickly that you never know when Kawhi Leonard hits the market, right? So um, flexibility is very good to have, but it is not a goal itself. It is just something you like to keep until there is an opportunity to use that flexibility. Uh, yes. It's I like agree. money. What is, you know, I don't I don't say that. I like, to, I like to sit it. I like yeah. to sit on my money. Yes. Like literally. <laughs> Um, wait, like you got that Costanza McDuck. wallet going on? Yeah. <laughs> I used to. I, I think I've thinned it out a reasonable amount, but it's still probably top top third top third in wallet thickness if we're Yeah. In the top uh, turtile. <laughs> exactly. Uh yeah. So it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. It's gonna be a crazy month and a bit, and then the actual games are gonna start. Uh so boring. Yes. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Give us the transactions. Um, so I guess, sorry, uh, I know I keep saying one more thing, one more thing. The other thing is, 
Uh, it doesn't, based on the tentative schedule, the NBA Finals would end early enough that uh, Olympics could be on the board for some players who are out earlier in the playoffs. We still don't know if the Olympics are going to take place, what the Olympic qualifiers are going to look like, um, what players' interest level might be in taking on that kind of risk, if we have a vaccine by then. We don't know all this stuff, um, but the schedule that was laid out, basically, let's just say the December start date, while complicated for a lot of reasons, if you assume there is going to be international basketball next year, it is better for Canada basketball than um, the rumored January or February start dates. Yes. Uh, I'm very skeptical about all future yes. plans. Just all future plans. Yeah. Any of them. Uh, but especially those ones. Well, so we'll let's see. talk a little more immediate then. So um, the trade window will open when we end this podcast. Um, because you can't trade pending free agents and guys who haven't picked up their options and things like that, uh, you know, it, it's there are moves before and at the draft often, so let's not rule that out entirely. But the most immediate thing that we can analyze and take a look at is the draft, which takes place on Wednesday. Um, Eric, I've kind of led our draft coverage, so what I'm going to suggest here is that we switch roles for a little bit and you host the draft section uh, rather than me ask you draft questions that... Uh, you maybe aren't invested in? Uh, well, it's not about me. It's about the listeners. Uh, and, and so I think it would serve that purpose. Good call, host. <laughs> um, so forgetting about the Raptors for a while, when uh, you're looking at this draft uh, after, let's say, the lottery, how does, how does it look to you? Is it like a deep enough draft to get a contributor at 29 where the Raptors will be picking? Is it heavy in one position or uh, or another position? Uh, or do you think this will be like many 29th picks in which uh, you're pretty much guessing? No, I think uh, how, how I, think I uh, shockingly agree with Raptors assistant general manager Dan Tolzman, who called it, uh, I think he called it a very deep draft or a very flat draft or something like that, one of those terms. So basically... The 2020 draft is weaker than what the 2021 and 2022 drafts project to be. Those are spicy drafts. And there are some, you know, like five, six, seven guys in each of those class that the smart draft Twitter people say could conceivably be uh, number one picks in this draft. Um, so what we're looking at here is a draft that's not elite at the top. Like you might look back in a couple years and maybe it looks like that Bargnani year where it's like, hey, Rudy Gay had a good career. Bargnani lasted 10 years. Um, Brandon Roy was really good till he got hurt. LaMarcus Aldridge was solid. It probably ends up a little better than that at the top. I think LaMelo Ball has real star potential. Uh, Onyeka is like a really cool modern uh, center prototype. And, and like, I, I've gotten asked a ton in this process about like, well, would the Raptors move up? And the answer is always, well, maybe. Uh, and Onyeka would be a really tasty target for them to go after. Um, I think Tyrese Halliburton and Patrick Williams are, are lottery guys who are going to like pretty safely have good careers. And then uh, Alexei Pokusevsky, who is uh, a draft and sash candidate, who early in the oh, draft cool. process, it looked like might be in the mix at 29 and now no longer seems like he's going to be around. Um, you know, he has the upside that that guy has, um, you know, obviously there's a long path to get there because he's 18 and, and very wiry and stuff, but some of the ball handling and passing he does for a seven footer, you know, you could easily see this guy becoming one of the next like all-star caliber players to come over from Europe. Um, 
So, at the top, it's not bad, but this draft's real strength is in its depth. So, if you're a team like the Raptors that has done well um, finding undervalued guys in the late first or in the second or on the undrafted market, you're kind of licking your chops because while maybe there are only one or two uh, future all-stars in this draft, there are probably you know, 20 plus rotation guys. And obviously you don't know who those are ahead of time and you can't be certain they'll slide to 29 or 59, but the Raptors have a pretty good track record of finding them. Um, I would say when you're looking at who could be available at number 29, and this is based on, you know, our NBA analyst, John Hollinger did a mock draft last week and Sam Vecini, our our top draft guy, did a 60, like a full two round mock draft uh, that came out Monday and is free for everyone to read. So check that out. Um, you know, some of the guys they're looking at in those spaces are, are really interesting. So uh, in Hollinger's mock, it was a decision at the big man spot between Zeke Naji and Xavier Tillman. Um, in Vecini's mock, that decision was instead Jalen Smith and Xavier Tillman. Um, I love Tillman, a friend of the podcast, Brian Schroeder, who uh, has a Patreon uh, and is a great draft Twitter follow at Cosmos, C-O-S-M-I-S. He found Xavier Tillman's hand measurements from the combine and they are like Kawhi-sized hands. So um, I think the the hand measurement we have to go with right now today is DeAndre Hopkins-sized hands. Yes. Sorry. Um, So what he, the parallel he drew was Walter from NXT. uh, And we are going with the tagline, no flops, just chops. (laughs) <laughs> for uh, anyone who enters the uh, enters the lane against Tillman, um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, there are some interesting bigs there. Uh, in both of those mocks, a guy like Desmond Bain is off the board. Leandro Balmaro and Teo Maladon, uh, two other draft and stash options, are off the board. So you're looking at. Uh, a center or guard there, probably. There are some interesting wings still and, and wing forwards. Um, realistically. Those are either off the board or, or second round considerations. We know the Raptors will, um, we know the Raptors will reach if they if they really like a guy. So so we can't rule those out entirely. Um, but when I look at my composite board, the guys that are the most interesting at twenty nine tend to be point guards. And they tend to be big men, which is great because the Raptors have a need at both of those spots, and they're pretty. You can always use more wings, but they're more set at the wing than they are on the poles of the position spectrum. Um, Eric, a guy I know you're really high on, would have been available in Vecini's theoretical mock and wasn't in Hollinger's, uh, Malachi Flynn. I know he's he's very much your type of guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, just the the what I've been reading about him, obviously, not obviously, I don't watch a lot of college basketball. I didn't see him play. He went to San Diego State, right? So got that uh, Kawhi thing going, uh, but two-way guard, tenacious on defense. Um, I mean, he reads like a, what's it? Six-two, I believe. This is six-one, uh, six-two. Yeah. So he's he's right in that you know Larry Van Vliet type mold with a bit more size, and uh, I just you know I'm I'm fond of two-way guards. Uh, they're you know you still. I think all things being equal, like two-way wings are still your most valuable player types, broadly speaking. But you saw how far uh, and how creative the Raptors have been able to go and to get uh, with that type of backcourt. 
uh, and to be able to add to that and potentially prepare for uh, when Kyle Lowry starts declining in seven years, that would uh, that would be beneficial. But uh, do do I, we worry that if the Raptors end up playing in Tampa Bay, uh, the win the uh, around the clock winter access to golf expedites Lowry's decline phase? Yeah, he'll have like shoulder tendonitis and uh, he'll he'll miss uh, 12 games in the middle of the season. Yeah. But you I know, do. Gonna, I, I have he's going to break authority. a thumb or something. So, I have it on good authority that Nashville's pretty well set for, for golf courses. So that that might have been why they were in the mix at all at any point. So, yeah, that's just weather there. It, it can get a bit colder uh, and Tampa. You're going to be able to play pretty much any day you want. Plus, um, that that division realignment would be uh, beneficial to the Raptors to get out of the Atlantic, which projects as oof. you know by far the the best division in the East um, this year. Yeah, uh, not that divisions matter a lot, uh, but well, hey, they might if they adjust the schedule to be more division that, that, heavy to to limit. That is traffic. true, and and I mean that's I've sort of been uh, we're going back to the location discussion for a minute, um, but. I've sort of been under the interpretation that they would make it a more geographically friendly schedule. And that's why playing somewhere in the Northeast always made more sense to me. John Hollinger floated Newark at first, and that made a ton of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so does playing golf every <laughs> other day, I guess. Um, but that's neither here nor there for right now because, uh, we don't know what the schedule will be, and we don't know what the Raptors' options... Uh, well, we sort of know what their options are, but we know what their first option is, and we don't know if that is an option. Uh, back, um, back to the draft yeah. now. Just I want to follow up on Flynn. So so the, the great thing about Flynn is not only was he like a top 10 or 15 player in college basketball last year, he's one of those guys that like... Yeah, there are some, like, you you can squint and it's like, well, maybe the upside's not there. Like, he's already 22. He's not that big. Things like that. But he there is, like, like he doesn't have a weakness, really. Like, there's nothing he doesn't do at at least a passable level. And it's really easy, especially with good development systems, it's easy to see those guys. Like, the path is more certain. If you look at a guy like Jaden McDaniels, who's a 6'10 forward who can handle a little bit, he'll probably be off the board by the time the Raptors pick. Um, but among the guys who might slide to 29, I think McDaniels has the highest ultimate upside because he's a 6'10 guy who can handle and he's only 18. Uh, but the path to that upside and the percentile, like the percentage chance he reaches that upside is way smaller than a guy like Flynn who has a really stable floor and would really only need to, you know, if he became a a really good off-ball guy or his defense took a step at the next level, like he does enough things well that you only need to project a little bit of growth for a guy like that to to end up really sticking. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's Flynn's really interesting. Some other guards, if you prefer a guard at that spot, um, which you might, you know, the center position tends to... Uh, as as thin as the free agent market is for centers this year, if the Raptors don't retain one of Abaka or Mark Gasol, you know that position tends to have the highest replacement level around the league. Now that a lot of teams are only keeping two true centers, 
the G League is usually well stocked with interesting guys. Um, they have Dewan Hernandez and possibly Chris Boucher back, and OG Ananobi can play a little time there. So if you prefer to guard, uh, the guys that you are looking at, in addition to Malachi Flynn, uh, Tyrell Terry's probably off the board uh, at that point, and as I mentioned, Teo's probably gone. Uh, so you're looking at Malachi Flynn, Nico Mannion, who I'm, I'm not a big fan of for the Raptors, uh, Devin Dotson, who is really interesting like philosophically because he's very different than what the Raptors have traditionally valued in a guard. He's, um, you know, if anyone remembers back to training camp last year when the Raptors brought in Isaiah Taylor, uh, part of the thinking there was, hey, we have these two kind of floor general type point guards in Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Bleet, and Isaiah Taylor is like a transition speed demon. Maybe that change of pace, you know, you're going from Marco Estrada to uh, someone who throws heat out of the bullpen to, to kind of mix guys up, mix uh, mix up the looks you're giving. And Devin Dotson is uh, the fastest player in this draft and probably has the best first step. So he'd be interesting. Uh, Trey Jones from, Ju- from Duke. And then a guy that um, Raptors Twitter really likes. And I've seen... So when I do these composite boards, I take 12 to 15 different boards from people who I either like their process or, or I like their track record or I'm just trying to cast a wide net. Riller is ranked anywhere from 13 to 77 on these big boards. So a lot of disagreement on what he is at the next level. Um, He was probably the best guard in college basketball at getting to the rim and finishing. Um, That's obviously something the Raptors could use a lot of. There's, there might not be anyone in the in this draft who can put the kind of pressure on the rim that Riller can. And his defense wasn't great at Charleston, but he was also carrying like a 35% usage. So maybe if that comes down, uh, you can, you know, project him to be a little more stable or, or at least a little better on the uh, the team defense side. So um, those are kind of the options you're looking at 29. And there are more names in this, but these are the thought exercises that you're going through if you're the Raptors. Um, so I'm curious to hear who you guys like. Obviously, I've done, I think at this point, I've done 60 draft profiles. So the, the running joke is that the Raptors are obviously going to select someone who's not a part of those. Yeah. Uh, my next question profiles. is who's the Bruno of this draft? Yeah. So, um, I don't really you don't, know. So, you don't so, actually have to answer that. No. So, uh, just for like process wise, there are 17 players at the top of the draft that we didn't end up doing draft profiles on because nobody had them mocked, uh, going late enough where like they'd really have to slide and then what you're talking about with those guys is like, so so those 17 guys, um, none of them were mocked later than 27 by any of the major mocks. And for the most part, like other than the NBA draft Twitter mock, none of which is like a little more aggressive because it's draft Twitter and you don't have to follow kind of the, well, this is what the, the bad teams will do. It's just what we would do. Um, none of those guys were mocked to go outside the top 20. So that's kind of where I use the cutoff is like, this means those 17 guys would have to slide nine or 10 projected spots to be in the mix. So we didn't do them just for time efficiency. We did 60 guys overall, um, right down to some that, uh, well, four of them pulled out of the draft. Uh, So those guys won't be picked. Uh, A couple of them were Canadians. We did just to cover off the Canadian angle. And then a few of them are just like guys who have already signed overseas or, or guys who are, you know, hey, maybe keep an eye on this guy for Raptors 905. Like Christian Vital is a guy I really like for the 905 if the Raptors go the, the undrafted signing route with an Exhibit 10. Um, I will say 
I think the Bruno in this draft, and luckily we covered him, but the guy I could see getting reached for the most is Jay Scrub, who's out of John A. Logan. He's the Juco Player of the Year. Uh, he can really fill it up, uh, has good length to, to project his defense if he, you know, if a team works on him with that. And there have been rumblings from Sam and a few others that there are a couple teams that really, really like him. Uh, so uh, interesting to see if, if he's a guy who gets reached on. So, um, yeah, anyway, there we, we covered a lot of guys. Uh, the top, if you're wondering who the top ranked guys are who we didn't touch on, and this is based on um, uh, my composite board. It's not my Raptor, my, like my Raptorized ranking yet. Uh, that'll come out Tuesday, by the way. Uh, but the top names on the composite board that we didn't touch and could be available are Reggie Perry, Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Haggins, Nathan Knight, and Trez Tinkle. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Gotta dress, gotta draft Trez Tinkle. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> and then, so, and I, I will say the one, the one name we didn't get to that I, I just kind of feel like I'll kick myself the most for not including is CJ Ellaby out of Washington State. I really like him and I just like, I didn't find a spot to work him in because he was a guy that I got to late and like he was just like further down my list when I was going through guys um and then once I dug in I liked him but I was like all the draft profiles were done so looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um, uh, so anyway. let me ask let me ask you one quick question before we move on to free agency. Yeah. Because uh, I think you covered off a lot on that one question. Um, you talked a bit about, you know, the, the different types of prospects and how some are more ready to fit in, uh, and some are more, you know, projects. We all know this. Uh, the Raptors largely have a history of drafting older prospects, not fully, but uh, as is the case with Bruno, OG, I think, was 20 or, or 19, I think 20, when they drafted him. But there's been, you know, DeLon Wright was overage, Norman Powell was a four-year senior uh, even Pascal Siakam, I think he was 23, right? When they drafted him, uh, despite his lack of college uh, experience, I think he was a redshirt sophomore coming out. Uh, so what do you think is more likely at 29? I know both cases are uh, definitely on the table, but do you think it's, is there more depth and more likelihood than of quote-unquote ready-to-contribute guys or prospects uh, and or projects, I should say, at that spot? 
Yeah, I mean, part of it is going to depend on, to be honest, like, I don't want to, like, overhedge here, but, like, part of it is going to depend on what the Raptors think is going to happen with Fred Van Vliet and with Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka, where if you are fairly certain that Gasol and Ibaka are out and you're not, you know, you're not trying to take a big step back next year, like, Xavier Tillman could step in and play now. He's a very heady player. He's very good. I, I like Xavier Tillman anyway, um, but in terms of guys who could step in, you know, it's... It's it's overstated the degree to which we sometimes project a rookie to step in and contribute. But I think if they want guys who could play minutes this year, Tillman and Malachi Flynn are the guys you're looking at. Um, whereas, you know, if you want to shoot upside, Jalen Smith, you know, if the defense comes along, Jalen Smith is a guy who he's 6'10 and can shoot it and you know, offensively, he he's there, and he was a good, like, kind of below-the-rim-ish rim protector. Um, but he has some work to do on, like, his lower half and his explosiveness and his footwork and stuff like that to where, you know, maybe you want to get that guy down with 905 for a little bit or, or working with McKechnie. Um, Zeke Naji is a guy who, you know, there's real upside there if the shot comes along, and, and the reports are that the shot is coming along. But you want to see some game reps for that, and I, I don't know that he could step in as reliably as Tillman could now. And, and then, you know, at the guard position, I just, I think Flynn is is just straight up better than a lot of the other guys that are around there. Um, you know, I think Riddler could step in and help your second unit offense right away, but the defensive side and whether he can, you know, he's going to, it's going to be a big role adjustment for him from being a super high usage guy at a small school to being, you know, a more moderate uh, role player at the next level. So I think Flynn and Tillman are the guys that you're looking at if you, if you have a more, um, short, not short term, because like obviously these guys are all young and, and you want them around for a while. But those guys could conceivably step in uh, and help out. And then if you're looking longer term, you know J- Jalen Smith, Zignaji, um at point guard, maybe a Dotson or a Trey Jones. Um, although I don't, you know, neither of those guys is like super far away. Like they're both 20 years old and, and um, you know somewhere kind of in that in between phase like there's not a there's not a guard here who's like a huge huge project that could be available there um the other name to watch and and i don't 29 would be a bit of a reach for a guy like this um who like could be a back-end first round guy but i could also see him going undrafted cassius winston from michigan state is like like he literally said in an interview um recently uh that that brian did over at hoops rumors um that the guys he emulates his game after are Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. So uh, you can see, you know, he's 6'1", he's a, a senior, he's a little older, he doesn't project super well, but but he checks off a lot of Raptors boxes. So those are um, those are kind of the guys to keep an eye on at 29. And then, and then my philosophy at 59 would be, you know, you're swinging for upside at that point. Like, yeah. obviously, anyone you get at 59 who ends up contributing in any way whatsoever is a huge hit um but i like with the success they've had with the 905 program at 59 is where like i don't really care if a guy can come in and contribute now i want to you know what's that one skill that could turn him into a rotation guy and what's the likelihood that he gets there so that's where you're looking at a lot of either um you know combo forwards with really good size like lamine Janay, um you know point guards who like like yamadar uh, who plays in Israel, and, and Robel, who was on last week, is really high on as a draft and stash guy. You know, his path to 
um, being pretty good is okay. Add some size or add a three point shot because he's got everything else there. And, and then there, are, you know, at fifty nine, there could be a lot of guys who are right now look like shooting specialists, but might eventually develop into more. So um, some potential shooting specialists there, like Sam Merrill, um, Justinian Jessup, uh, a couple of Nate Darling, even the Nova Scotia kid. Uh, and then, you know, a couple guys who maybe the three and D clicks. I love Nate Hinton. I think Hinton is like, like would immediately be a fan favorite for anyone who checks out 905 games. Um, there are a couple other guys like that. Traveling Queen is like a kind of analytic y pick who isn't being projected to get drafted a lot. So, what I'm trying to say is, I'm sorry I'm just like throwing a bunch of names out there, but like, there is going to be a guy at 59 that you can get excited about, or there's going to be a guy that they get undrafted that you can be excited about. Like like when Terrence Davis was signed, I think he was number two on my composite board behind actually only Shamori Pons, who they ended up with also. <laughs> um, there, there's going to be a guy you can get excited about at, at 59. And 29 is going to be juicier, obviously, and a guy who can maybe step in quicker. But um, with the Raptors track record, you there will be someone you can squint at at 59 and be like, oh yeah, if this and this break right, you know, that's a guy. So the likelihood of those, we've been spoiled covering the Raptors the last few years that so many of these guys have hit. And it's far more likely that, you know, one of them ends up a DeAndre Daniels or, you know, we don't know what Dewan Hernandez is going to be yet, but he he barely played as a, as a rookie due to injuries. Like uh, that's the likelier outcome yeah, at 59 or even Bonds. A- a Tomislav Zubchev, yeah. if you will. Yeah, or like even Shamori Pons, who they picked up as a two-way and was cut by January. Like, that's the likelier outcome. But at 59 or undrafted, you know, all you really need to, to get excited is, you know, a chance. And there are going to be some guys in that range in this draft who have a chance. Well, now I just hope they get Nate Darling for our friend Holly McKenzie's sake. Yeah, uh, I mean, Nate Darling would uh, threaten a lot of Brady Heslip's G League three-point shooting records. Uh, yeah. probably has some work to do to get to NBA level. And then obviously, you know, roster wise, does it make sense to have two shooting specialists on your roster at once? But, um, that guy can shoot the lights out. Well, Blake, as much as we love the draft, uh, and as much as work as you've put into the draft, uh, I think that free agency and the trade market to a lesser degree is going to have a bigger impact on what the Raptors look like in the next, uh, Certainly next season, but uh, going forward in terms of their ability to plan. So we should probably get to that. Yeah, and we, you know, obviously there's, there's a bit of burying uh, the, the, lead the lead here with this stuff. Yeah. But it's also stuff that we've, you know, we've spent kind of months talking about. Like it's stuff that we looked at during the hiatus. It's stuff that we looked at right when the season ended. So um, I think people know our takes on some of this. So I guess, I guess what I'm curious about to start, Eric, uh, before we get into any of the specifics is when it comes to the Raptors potential moves in free agency and trades, has your outlook or your opinion on anything changed since the Raptors were eliminated and we kind of took a first pass at this stuff? Um, I think I've done more thinking on the center spot. And I think just by reading the tea leaves, sort of my Abaka Gasol, not opinion, uh, but I, I I guess Serge Abaka becomes a slightly higher priority than I had him before, uh, just because I can see the utility of maintaining his bird rights, uh, not only uh, like into next season, even potentially. Uh, 
So I think that's the only real thing that's uh, that's changed in a in a meaningful way. Uh, there have been rumors with Serge Ibaka that uh, Brooklyn might be interested in him, and Kevin Durant is uh, calling his name, whispering his name in the winds. Uh, I feel fairly confident that the Raptors. Uh, should they choose to do so. And I think this is the way it will play out. I don't know, but I think will be the team that offers him the highest one-year salary. Uh, that would be my guess. I think that's the most likely scenario. Uh, and he loves Toronto, obviously. I, I read a whole piece uh, about Serge back in March, right before the pandemic. And and part of it is how he's become a more open, freer person since coming to Toronto and a more creative player and a more versatile player. And he credits the Raptors with a lot of that. So I have no reason to believe that he doesn't love being here and playing in this organization. Uh, so I, I I think to me, that's the most likely scenario is the Raptors uh, sign surge to sort of an inflated one year price and I am I am maybe more into that idea than I was uh, back in March and, and even maybe in September. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, obviously the the Gasol rumors about him maybe going back to Spain uh, play a factor there, and then I, that hasn't happened yet as those seasons pick up. Um, so maybe that's a 2021 consideration. Uh, still rumblings that. Golden State could have interest in Gasol. I think if you're talking mini mid-level exception, any good team would have interest yeah. in Gasol. Um, so the issue, the thing, the big swing thing with Ibaka is going to be term, right? Where um, I think a lot of competitive teams would be willing to give Serge Ibaka the full mid-level over multiple years. Uh, I think the Raptors would prefer to give him more money for one year and not give him multiple years. Uh, so that's where you get into, you know, none of the good teams have cap space. So then... You know, maybe a sign and trade is possible if if Ibaka really wants to go elsewhere uh, above the mid level exception. Now, a deal for a sign and trade has to be at least three years long, so um, maybe you get some hesitance there. But uh, there are options there, uh, Eric. If they were to lose both Ibaka and Gasol, uh, Dewan Hernandez, maybe Chris Boucher, OG Ananobi, there some uh, a draft pick. Uh, what like? What's your concern what the hell? if both of those guys leave? <laughs> uh, it's moderate. Do you like small ball? <laughs> uh, I do. <laughs> I'd be excited for more uh, OG Adenobi at, at center, for sure. Uh, but like you were saying, I don't think it's... Like, I think Fred Van Vliet is a lot... I mean, indispensable is an absolute... He's a lot more integral to what the Raptors do than he's only of the lightly centers. dispensable. And, yeah, uh, and is uh, yeah, he's it's harder to replace him uh, with either what you have internally or certainly cheaply on the free agent market than it is either of the centers. Uh, it's just like you said, the supply is higher. Uh, in free agency among centers, there can be some pretty established names that end up going for less money than you would think, even in a suppressed market like we're sort of expecting. Uh, so it, it's it's real. Like I, I think this year, we say this every year, but 
I think continuity is going to be extra important this year. So to have one of those guys back, if just for competitive purposes. So uh, you're saying year four of Malcolm Miller, let's go. uh, Sure. Uh, (laughs) I don't think Malcolm Miller should say that, but, uh, but my, uh, my big, my big, anyway, anyway, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, You go. You just, I was just going to say, I think Malcolm Miller ends up in Indiana. I think uh, Bjorkren familiarity and, you know, a good culture guy and Indiana could use an extra wing shooter. Uh, that's that's my big prediction. Yeah, sure. Uh, that, I don't know if that qualifies as big, but... Uh, that Shut is, up, Eric. <laughs> that, that's a great counter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like, I think for obvious reasons, the Raptors should be trying to get one of those two guys back, but like, I think we're aligned here. If it comes to multiple years, uh, unless they know that Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't hitting free agency, which I don't expect them to know before uh, Friday, uh, I wouldn't go beyond one year for either. Uh, And even then I might not because like, it's just not how I personally would would invest in my roster with bigs who are in the decline phase and commanding, you know, above mid-level exception money for multiple years. Yeah, it's just not ideal long-term planning. Uh, I mean, if Serge Ibaka, if you could get Serge Ibaka back on a two-year deal at, you know, just over the mid-level, if Giannis is off the table, like, I'd probably do that. Uh, but... Now, give me, it, give me that Serge Ibaka, like, two years, 30 million but the second year is not fully guaranteed or a team option. And that way, uh, what a what a trade asset that would be at the deadline. <laughs> love uh, love to do things only for their potential cap wrinkles later. That's, uh, that's my CBA brain. Uh, Eric, you mentioned Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, he's a big swing factor here. Um, we've talked and written at length about why he's so important and, and why this is a kind of a pivotal decision for the Raptors, uh, short and long-term. So I will just ask, where is your confidence level in the Raptors retaining Fred Van Vliet uh, Friday or Sunday or sometime before December 22nd? Um, It'll be funny if he's the guy who takes, like, if you remember last year, we talked about this briefly at the top. Everybody sort of made their decision at or before 6 p.m. on June 30th. Uh, except, except for Kawhi. <laughs> so if Fred Van Vliet just decides he's the Kawhi of this uh, free agent class, which in some ways he is, um, and just takes all these virtual, hopefully virtual meetings, but uh, I guess you are allowed to travel pretty freely in the United States. Uh, so maybe they won't be virtual um, and just make everybody wait until next Friday. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh, all the more power to him. That would be very annoying for us to have to deal with for a second straight year. Uh, but, you know, we're not important, as we've established several times. <laughs> we're, we're self-important, but we're not actually important. Um, I still think the most likely scenario is he comes back. Uh, I still would put that above 50%. I don't think it's going to be at a number that Raptors fans are comfortable with, though. That's yeah. my take. Um, I think it's... Uh, if I had to bet, it will be over 20 annually, 20 million annually. And I think there will be some people who 
uh, with, some, with, with some justification are uncomfortable with that. And credit Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet. He's in a position in which he, I think, will be able to demand that. Um, and, you know, criticize him all you want for going out, uh, and you shouldn't, but you can do what you want for saying he wants to cash in, but, like, he hasn't hidden this. Like, he says, bet on yourself. It's not bet on yourself to be allowed to take less, to take a hometown discount to put myself in a position where I can win more. Like, he's <laughs> he's built his, his game and his name very strategically over the years for this very moment. And, you know, we we talked a bit about earlier or during the... Um, the hiatus if he would be more open to taking a short-term deal but i think things have conspired as such that he shouldn't feel like he needs to so i think it's going to be higher than 20 per year uh i forget where my mock where our our mock negotiation had him ending up at uh the raptors won that bid with me as gm uh i know it was at a number that you weren't entirely comfortable with from a i think it was 495 I think it's 494 maybe. Okay. Uh maybe that was a bit high, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the 490 range. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Um quickly we got to wrap up here, but Eric, uh whether this is in addition to Van Vliet and one of the bigs or as replacements, uh any buy low candidates. So even if the the Raptors do not project to be a below cap team. It's not going to make not to get in the weeds here, but it's not going to make sense for them to dip below the cap if they have any intention of re-signing any of these guys. Um, so they'll probably operate as an above cap team, which means they'll have the full mid level exception available to them uh, unless they overpay to keep their guys more than we're expecting. Uh, are there any targets with that mid level exception or with a chunk of that mid level exception that you like, Eric? We've talked a lot about Harry Giles. Um... Can never talk too much about Harry Giles. Oh, I think we're pushing that. So I mean, look, if <laughs> he's a nice player, that's all. someone has to take advantage of the Kings being bad. Why? Why not? Why the not? Raptors Travis? are a team that would take advantage of the Kings being bad. Um, I sort of like. I don't love Pat Connaughton, but I think he could be had on a nice little chunk of the of the mid level. Uh, I think he's if you're looking for that bench wing depth, which I'm always sort of concerned about. Uh, especially with the, uh, how should we call it, uh, Terrence Davis uncertainty. Uh, That might be a position the Raptors feel they need to uh, shore up. Uh, You know, if you want to, I'm I'm out on Dragon Bender as a, you know, redraft candidate. Uh, Who else do I like? Oh, there's, of course, John Henson is a veteran Mm. minimum candidate uh, who the Raptors should obviously sign. Uh, I know everybody else is asking me about Bismack Biombo, which, sure, fine. You take your Bismack Biombos. I'll take John Henson and (laughs) see where we uh, we get. Gary Gary Payton, too, as somebody like the second, as somebody totally off the the radar, would be a fun piece uh, as a third guard. I know we're really getting it. And, you know, I think bringing back Boucher, uh, we, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him. I, I don't think it's impossible that a team, like especially a type of team that's going after Christian Wood, who's sort of at the top of that, like older than you think, 
but still prospecty big with upside uh, if he gets a bigger role. If somebody strikes out there, I could see themselves talking themselves into Chris Boucher. And I think bringing back Boucher, it's not crucial for the Raptors, but I think it's their best path to sort of some depth at that position. So I, I think that's a thing to uh, certainly keep on your radar as a Raptors fan. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I have a few uh, other... About any, any names you want to run through quickly? No, it's okay. We're running a little long, and, and you know I've already written up all the targets and stuff. The the one name that I'll say, because I always say it, is Jamario Jones is my favorite G-leaguer that hasn't got a real crack yet. Um, a undersized point forward who defends like crazy and, and is a great playmaker and is a you know uh, about the same level of shooter as me. <laughs> So, so uh, theoretically I, great, but totally unwilling. I have a type. <laughs> um, no, there's a, you covered most of it. And, and I think, you know, like Chris Dunn's going to be outside of their price range, I think. And so Giles is kind of my guy. I don't mind Gary Payton, too. They're, Bruno? It's a, pardon me? Bruno? I question the decision-making after he violated uh, quarantine in the bubble, you know? Uh, Only now yeah. am I questioning Bruno's decision making. <laughs> uh, all right, we gotta wrap this up, man. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, we have some. Uh, obviously, we're gonna have a ton of content this week as, as trades and the draft and free agency come out. Um, keep an eye out for all that. Lots of mailbag, uh, three part mailbag running from me this week. So, if there are questions that are unanswered from this podcast, check those out. Uh, Sam Bassini has a massive uh, mock draft up and a. Uh, kind of everything you need draft primer uh, so check those out i have a couple of draft things that are outside of the paywall if you're curious what we're all about and want to check some things out uh, it would be a great week to try uh one of the trials at the athletic or just sign up yeah um, i have uh, i have my second raptors trade tiers up today i did i last did it at the trade just before the trade deadline uh sort of not necessarily putting value on the raptors as trade pieces but sort of splitting them into groups and sort of the scenarios in which they could be valuable. Uh, and uh, that one was really popular the first time around. So uh, hopefully people find some value uh, this time, although the Raptors aren't in a particularly good situation to make trades because they don't have many mid-level type deals. Yeah. All right. Um, so keep an eye out for all that. We will probably be back for you uh, for this podcast on Thursday, but that hinges on um, figuring out timing uh, around Raptors media availability for whoever they draft. And it also depends a little bit on everything, not just hitting the fan over the next couple of days. So uh, we're kind of in on-call mode, in wait-and-see mode. Um, so yeah, we'll talk to you again soon and uh, check out all the great stuff that, uh, well, I shouldn't say great stuff that I'm doing. Check out all the stuff that all the great stuff Eric's doing and all the stuff that I'm doing uh, over You're the doing great stuff, boy. You're doing great. Thanks, buddy. Uh, all right, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, stay safe out there. Eric, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Blake. See ya. Do we need to do Google Homes or are those still on timeout? Okay.